The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you would consider yourself spiritually curious. I've been curious about spirituality as well as metaphysics since I was a kid. As I got older, I was interested in paranormal experiences, tarot, life after death, mediumship, Wicca, and Eastern religions. I wanted to have a peak experience. I wanted to see angels. I'm still looking. I started a career in radio and had a lot of fun at rock stations, but I was always exploring these ideas. When I landed at Hay House to work with their online radio network in 2005, it was like a dream come true. Combining my radio world and spiritual world? Oh, happy day! I got to work with some of the most amazing teachers like Louise Hay, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and many others. The more I learned from these incredible people, the more I realized I didn't know anything for sure, and things will probably keep revealing themselves to me until I shift off this planet. Welcome to the podcast today. When I was presented with Tom Ropsa's book, Wake Up Call, Daily Insights for the Spiritually Curious, and I started reading it, I thought, okay, this is going to be good. Here's a fellow seeker and a kindred spirit. This is going to be a fun conversation. So I'm really, really looking forward to this. Tom is a spirituality blogger who's been writing the Wake Up Call column at patheos.com since 2012. And his column is the most popular column at the site's New Vision channel. And his stories have drawn over 5 million views. So he's got quite the outreach there, quite the following. He's also written for Elephant Journal and Contemplative Journal. And today we're going to share some stories and dive into one of my favorite subjects, opening up to and embracing our spiritual sides. So welcome, Tom, to my little corner of the internet. Thank you, Diane. Great to be here. Well, I'm happy we can talk about this because it is one of my favorite subjects. I'm definitely spiritually curious. And as I was you know, reading over the book and looking at your bio that they sent me to accompany this, I thought, wow, this guy's got a lot of the, the same background that I do, kind of a similar background. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I was brought up Catholic and you know, we went to mass at St. Anthony's and I had to memorize the Nicene Creed. And the one thing that really interested me about the Nicene Creed was the line that says, you know, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things seen and unseen. So I was really interested in all things that were seen and unseen. What was that? The Holy Ghost. You know, and when I would ask these questions, you know, I'd get various various answers from from the nuns and and whatnot. But I was always asking those kind of questions like, you know, is Mary Magdalene Jesus' girlfriend? Things like that. And they they're like, well, not really. You know, so I I always had a lot of questions, much much like you did. And then kind of a, a similar thing where as you get older, you, you know, you're pushing spirituality aside. But I think as as you're going through life 
and you start getting kicked and kicked around and kicked in the head, then you start asking yourself these questions, right? And you kind of wake up, you know, so I'm, I'm wondering like along the path for you, were you always interested in spirituality like me or the seen and the unseen or what well, were some of the things that woke you up? Yeah, sure. I mean, I kind of had a void in my spiritual life. I, I, like you, was raised in the Catholic Church, and uh, I went religiously every Sunday, was kind of force-fed religion, but without a lot of context. I mean, I went to church. We didn't really talk about it once we got home. It was just that hour, hour and a half a week that I sat there, listened, and uh, honestly didn't get much out of it. So I kind of dropped spirituality, I'd say, as I got into my late teens, early 20s, and uh, eventually got into the world of advertising. And as I was working in advertising, I'm going to say about 10 years uh, into my early 30s, I suddenly realized that I wasn't getting the satisfaction I, I you know, I needed. I, th- I think we, we get into the business world and we kind of uh, get on this uh, cycle where we're just pursuing more fame, more money. Uh, we're kind of grasping at, at what the things that might give us happiness. Yet we don't always address this itch that we have for, for meaning. And uh, I think that's what happened to me. I think we have this yearning. It's in, inherent in us. And Oftentimes, when we feel this at certain points in our life, we, we try to fill it with other things. We try to fill it with romance. We try to uh, really, you know, put our nose to the grindstone at the job. But I'm here to say that, that yearning, if you really want to satisfy it, you, you have to look at uh, your spiritual side and what might be missing there. Right. You kind of felt that that tap on the shoulder, right? That, that itch, like there's got to be something more that maybe wasn't answered in the in the spiritual tradition that you were brought up in. So you started doing a lot of reading too, right? And exploring and experimenting. Oh, positively. I, I mean, it, it started innocently enough. Um, I was single in my early 30s, hanging out with a few guys. And a friend of mine got into uh, to books that maybe weren't quite spiritual, but were a little bit out there. I can recall the first one. And it was called uh, In Search of the Warrior Spirit. And it was about sensitivity training for green berets there wasn't a lot of spirituality in it but they did teach the meditation and it got me thinking well heck um, if if this training is working for green berets maybe there's something out there that that might be for me and really after that book it went uh from one book to another to another and uh I think one of the first books that had a big impact on me was uh, No Ordinary Moments by Dan Millman. And the title kind of tells you what the book is about, that there are no ordinary moments in life and that we need to really look at life with a little more awareness uh, about what's going on and where we can find true meaning in life. We're definitely worshiping the wrong things, I think. And, and we're surrounded by all of these influences and things that are taking our attention that really shouldn't be that important, right? Uh, you know, social media and, well, we have to be this person and wear this thing and right. make this certain amount of money and it's I, tough. I agree with you totally. And and I think what happens is we, we pursue these things that really gratify the ego 
And it is things like uh, social media. It, it's it's getting the promotion at work. It's uh, you know getting into a a new romance. But often, I think what we find is when we're just trying to satisfy the ego, um, happiness is kind of fleeting. We, we we need to dig a little deeper. We need to go really into what's going to satisfy the soul, and that's a part of us that lives beyond the ego. The, the, the ego, again, is, is, is very fleeting, very flighty, moves from one thing to the other. Gratification is usually short term, but we need to look longer term. What's really going to hit us at our core? What, what, what's going to satisfy that, that internal yearning? Yes, I agree. You know, but I think we're not alone, Tom. I think there's a lot of us out there that are on this same kind of quest and path and I don't know if it's ever going to end. I think we're going to keep going down that rabbit hole until the time we finally shuffle off this planet. Then maybe we'll realize, oh, this is it you know, when we finally get, get to that other place. But what I really liked about the book is I'm reading through these stories. So I just want to tell people how these are, are set up, You know how the chapters are set up in the book. And it's really culled from kind of your best of, right, of the columns that you've written yes. over the years. Uh, called Wake Up, and people can check that out now and, and, and see what you're doing on patheos.com. So what I liked how you how you had it set it up, it's seven categories, kind of one for each day, and spread out over, uh, I think you had it 16 weeks. So it, kind of like the length of a college semester or a course, right? right? So Correct. you've got all these great uh, prompts for each day. And so I was I was reading through it like day one, inspiration, day two, awareness, day three character. And then you have all these great stories from your experience that you share under each of those categories. So as I was reading it, I'm thinking, hmm, well, what would be, you know, day one, what would be inspiring for me? You know, how, how can I bring my own life experience, you know, into these stories? You know, what, what are my stories like for each, each of these categories? So that's what, how it's been kind of sparking for me as I've been going down, you know, uh, going through all the stories, go, going down the quote, spiritual rabbit hole. And it's been kind of interesting, some of the memories that it, that it's been bringing up for me. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's a lot in the book and, and honestly, when I first started putting the book together, well, I, I, I think I had determined I've written over 500 stories. So I had to cut that list way down. And it, then it just kind of, when I when I looked at it in rough form, it kind of jumped from one topic to the other. So yes, setting it up with that that format was was a way for me to kind of organize uh, the material and really allow uh, you know readers. I mean, I have uh, w w one of the days of the week is on spiritual practice. So if you really want to do a deep dive into spiritual practice, you can kind of jump around the book a little bit and just find what specifically uh, interests you. And, That's kind of what I've been doing. All right, <laughs> chapters. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I, I think the the key there is, um, you know, what I found, and and this is after decades of reading and listening to podcasts and 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 really uh, investigating my, my my spiritual side is that there's not one answer. There's a lot of answers out there, and what you have to do, it becomes very personal and, and individual. So you have to find the, the answers that, that work for you. And what works for you uh, might not work for me. It might not work for somebody else. But you have to honor uh, uh, just the, the, the topics 
and the ideas that really pique your interest and that speak to your soul. That's so true. I remember, well, during my Hay House days and people that listen to this podcast know a little, a little bit about my background and some of the great teachers like Dr. Wayne Dyer or, or Carolyn Mace, I, I worked for, you know, I, we were working on Hay House Radio and people would call in and they would say, oh, tell me what's my life purpose? You know, like they would want a reading or someone to tell them what what's going to happen in their life. And I remember Carolyn Mace would always, she would get angry sometimes and she'd say, how do I know what right. your life purpose is? I'm trying to help you find it out for yourself. And I have to say, and I hope Carolyn doesn't hear this, but a lot of people would call and complain. She yelled at me. You know, they would get upset because she was telling them, no, you have to look within. And even like the best, you know, the great spiritual teacher, Deepak Chopra, he'd say, the only thing I know is that I know nothing, you know, and and every time I keep like peeling the onion and I think, okay, now maybe I understand. And then I realize, no, there's something else or something else. That's why I said, I'll probably never figure this out until I shuffle off the planet, then I think it'll be okay. You know, it's like Bill Murray says in Caddyshack, the the Dalai Lama says, you know, at the end of your life, you'll receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me. You know, I'll get that at the end of my life. (laughs) Well, very true. I mean, this, the spiritual path is it's, it's all about the journey, not the destination. It is. And 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 I love these stories that kind of help you on the journey. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I realize that not every, and I think within the book, within the wake up call, the book, um, there's 112 stories and they might not appeal to everybody. But I do think that anyone uh, that's spiritually inclined, you're going to find a bunch of stories that appeal to you. And, uh, you know, the stories in the book are two or three pages long, but I kind of invite the reader to, to if you find somebody that, that speaks to you. Uh, a specific author. Uh, for instance, I, I talk about you know Richard Rohr is one of my favorite authors. Thomas More from the Care of the Soul books. Um, if you find something that interests you, then by all means, do a deeper dive. Get the book or books by this person and see what else they have to say. Look up some of these authors, and some of the stories are just fun. And and you actually have a Bill Murray story in here too I in do. the book. You mentioned him. And I'm a big Bill Murray fan, and I love that you kind of kind of had him in the inspiration category because he's such a character. And I've had actually a, a Bill Murray interaction, really, from my radio days. Yeah, that I wanted to to share with you because it was Please really do. inspiring. And there's actually a documentary about this that Bill likes to go and kind of pop up and show up and surprise people and just. Mm-hmm be at a party or pitch a ball to them or show up in their wedding picture or something like that. And he showed up at the radio station I was working at the time called Rock 105 in Jacksonville. And he was doing a promotion. I was on the morning show with these two guys, Lex and Terry. So they invited Bill and his brothers to come on. So it's like six in the morning and we're there for the morning show. So he comes in but he doesn't come right in the studio. He, he comes in, he looks around, he grabs some Windex and he starts cleaning all the windows in the studio, the glass. Everyone's like, what the heck is he doing? You know, so then he, then he comes in, he talks a little bit, then he gets up and he walks down the hall of the radio station. And this is like a Monday morning, you know, it's eight o'clock by now. They're having sales meetings and he opens the door, walks in the middle of the sales meeting and they're like, what, what, 
you know, right. they didn't know who it was, that he, Bill Murray was there. And just the reaction was so funny. He'd go in the kitchen and get coffee and people come in. They're like, Monday morning, what? Bill Murray? And it was just so funny to see everybody's reaction. And then he came back in the studio and he, and he sang Star Wars from one of the SNL skits. I mean, he was just so like having fun, right. just messing around with people at the radio station. He didn't care that he was there to promote the Murray Brothers Caddyshack restaurants that were opening up in, in St. Augustine. Right. He didn't even talk about any of that, you know? So it yeah. was probably the best day in radio that I ever had, especially, well, especially doing mornings <laughs> on that morning show to have him come and interact. And uh, just, I'll never forget it because it was just so funny to, to see people's reactions and how much fun they were having. Right, right. I, I, I detail. I have a few anecdotes like that in the book, but that's that's a great one. And and I think he says something to the fact of you know I do that because I want to wake people out of their slumber. And, exactly, uh, and we're so asleep, aren't we? Well, it, doesn't that become the issue? And and I think I mentioned that in the intro that we we get into this rut where it's work, home, sleep, repeat. Work, home, sleep, repeat. That you, you you do need to shake up your status quo. If if you feel like you're in a rut, and I think a lot of people out there do, you got to shake it up somehow. And it can start in, in very simple ways. I mean, w- one of the simplest things you can do is, uh, uh, you know, if you drive home the same way every day, take a different route home. So it takes you five or 10 minutes longer. Maybe it gets you off the main road. Do that. Start someplace. You have to break out of the rut. And that's as simple as, you know, changing the, you know, just tweaking some of the things you do in, in everyday life. Instead of getting up in the morning and rushing off to work, set the alarm for 15 minutes early, you know, go sit on the back porch and, and, and have a cup of coffee and just look out at the trees in your backyard, whatever it might take. I mean, that's, that's kind of the place you start. Break out of the routine. And it's so simple too. And you're right. We're in such a rut. Most of the time, I think most of the time we're we're probably on autopilot and just going through the motions and asleep and we and we miss so much. And you're right, even just taking a different route, you know, just just to shake yourself up. And I was think I was thinking that as I as I was reading through some of the stories. And don't you think the root of that is really just fear? Like we're afraid to do something different sometimes. We we are because uh, I, I I think we're afraid because society does things a certain way. You're expected to do things a certain way, and we kind of fall into that trap where we kind of do what is expected of of us, and and maybe not what we really want. Even talking about that drive, well, society expects us to find the quickest path on Google Maps and and get there. Where maybe that's not in our best interest. Maybe that's just becomes a little too boring and pat. And, right. Um, right. The, the, the other thing I'll say about that is a lot of us, you know, we talk about this, this slumber that Bill Murray is trying to shake people out of. A lot of it's just our own awareness. We, we kind of go through life um, with uh, blinders on where we're kind of just looking straight ahead. We're not looking around us, uh, not not trying to notice things. I, I think we kind of get stuck in these routines. I'll give you an example, and I have to do it to myself all the time. I mean, I'm in Maryland. It's, you know, winter here. Weather's a little bit chilly. The trees are bare. 
And uh, I alternate between doing runs and walks in the morning. Sometimes I have to remind myself, well, I'll tell you what, you know, it's a little gray out today, but really start looking around at what you see. And I did this the other day, and all of a sudden I see this beautiful hawk up in the sky, uh, just doing this, you know, ballet up in the air. And I, I, I think that's, that's a key uh, as well, is just to be a little more aware, a little more alert to what's around you. I mean, uh, some of the best things in life are hidden in these little details. Right. And a lot of times that we miss it. And yes. when you're talking about awareness and, and also looking inward, and I think people are sometimes afraid to look inward of what, what they're going to see, you know, taking accountability. Um, and, and that's, that's a big thing. I mean, and I, it made me think of something that I hadn't thought of in a long time of, of awareness and looking inward. And this was an incident that happened in my twenties. And I always remember this. I thought I was, you know, getting, I was dressed up, getting ready to go. Thought I was the hot young thing, you know, pulled, pull him to a gas station in my car. And I was angry because I was late for the party. I didn't want to stop and get gas. That was nothing but a big pain. Right. Right. So I get out of the car, stomp over to the attendant, throw like the money at him, stomp back to my car. And I'm like, "I'm, I'm pissed. I'm late. I want to get to this party. So he comes over and he goes, he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, Hey, he goes, you could be a really beautiful person if you were a little nicer. And I was like taken aback and I went, wow, I, I really was a bitch to that guy. <laughs> I feel terrible. And so I apologized to him and, and I said, I'm, I'm going to be more aware, you know, of how I treat others. And this right. happened, you know, like a hundred years ago, but I remember thinking, you know, I need to get to the party. This is the important thing, you know, not how I'm treating this gas station attendant. But gotcha. he checked. He checked me, and I still and I still remember it. Well, so, it's it's funny that that you mentioned that. I mean, I I had to include in the book. Uh, you know, there's a section on character. It's one of the days of the week, and that's important as well. Uh, you know, you can be the most. You think of yourself as the most spiritual person on in the world, but if you're not nice, kind, and generous to the people around you. It, you, you're really not in a good place. You're not. So I, I, I do talk to that in the book a little bit, the, the importance of, of character and, the, and things like humility. Yes. And even you say, even the Dalai Lama says, don't be a jerk. Yes. It should be simple, right? It should be simple. And yet now I think more than ever, people are just nasty. It's like there's a, uh, you know, what's the word? Uh, carte blanche, you know, you, you have permission. It's okay to be nasty to these people, to hate the other, you know, oh, we don't want all these immigrants coming in here, get, you know, they're horrible and not thinking of how horrible their lives must be. You know, right. don't you think there's just kind of an elevation of, of nastiness and permission to be mean and, and hatred of the other that's kind of unchecked and out of control? That's a change that's happened in recent years. I mean, I could point to a certain political figure that may, may have ushered that in. <laughs> We're uh, thinking of the same one. <laughs> yeah. No you question. Know, part of it's social media, but it it it's it's of course it's not good. And and the way I look at that, and and it's tough, it's like you can't change some of these people, but you can change yourself. I mean, that's the best you can do is, is, is to try to change yourself, not be like the other. 
and then be out there in the world with who you are. Be that that gentle, kind person that you know. I I, I wrote a story once, and 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 it was uh, about an acronym called REP, and it was recognize, encourage, praise. And the idea was, and it came from this uh, guy, John Templeton, um, that he went through life doing these three things. Now, recognize means you recognize uh, the people that are around you. You give them a smile. You say hello to them. You be kind to them. You encourage them. If, if, if you see somebody that's struggling, you, you give them a vote of confidence. You see how you might be able to help them if there's something you can do. And then you also praise them. You find something good to, over the course of a conversation, you find something good to say about them. Uh, recognize, encourage, praise. But I, 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 I think as disturbing it as it is on, 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 in a broad scope, the best we can do is, is be our best selves out in the world and spread kindness amongst the people we encounter, especially our you know, friends, family, acquaintances, neighbors. Right. As best we can. I mean, we can really only, you know, affect uh, around, you know, have the most effect around us, I guess, you know, like kind of just really look in your own backyard first before worrying about, you know, world peace and everything else. I mean, even if we're just nicer to uh, just the people that we interact with every day and just try to remember, I always think, and you had mentioned this even in the book, you know, the, the golden rule do unto others really applies to every spiritual tradition, if you if you look at it. So that's that's old, you know. That's been around forever. Why can't we remember that simple that simple rule? Right, and and I will say that if if you look at at, at what's happening, if if you look at at you know the the public discourse, you have to look as well as what I mean. People, a lot of people that were maybe at one point, you, you might have been raised in the church. Uh, a lot of people have left the church. There's a spiritual void in their life. And um, it's not filled with anything beyond, unfortunately, maybe anger and resentment at the other. Right. I, I, I think we have, you know, we all have this spiritual yearning within us. And if it's not satisfied, bad things can kind of happen to some people. That's true. I want to ask you about real experiential experiences. So have you ever seen an angel or thought that you've seen one? I Fascinating topic. I've written about it many times. I have not personally. Me neither. I, I, I believe it happens. Have you? <laughs> no. I want to see one. I really well, do. It, I think I've been maybe affected or impacted by one maybe maybe i've been assisted by one you know at at some point but I've, i want to see it yeah Wings no i, I hear you you know I, I i read a book and i actually wrote about it. It, it it's not in wake up called the book but i wrote about it in my column there's a woman by the name i want to say her name is Rhonda Byrne. she's from yes. ireland are you familiar with her yes she sees angels everywhere oh lorna burn lorna burn lorna burn lorna yes. burn that's yes. it sees angels everywhere. She walks into a room, no matter where it is, and she sees angels, uh, good and bad. Um, it's, it's amazing to the point where it got frustrating by, you know, three quarters of the way through the book. It's like, how is she seeing angels everywhere? I just don't get it. But I, I do think that there is guidance available to us. It comes in different ways. 
And I've written before about, I think it's actually in the book about spirit guides, yes. that we can tap into this greater knowledge. Now, for some people, it's guardian, they, you know, it's a guardian angel and they, they actually see guardian angels. I guess that does happen to some people. It hasn't happened to me, but I do think we're able to tap into this guidance. I've had some unusual experiences where things suddenly pop into my head, ideas, um, directions that don't seem to be coming from me. So I, I do think that guidance is out there. Uh, there is a way to tap in. Angels for me. Yeah. Right, right. No, I'm glad to know that, you know, well, not glad that you haven't seen one, but I would have been really jealous if you had, because I've been hoping to see one. But you do share that you've had kind of uh, divine uh, either intervention or, you know, a connection of where, you know, the voice in your head or the feeling that's come over you that, you know, you're, you're not alone or you are receiving guidance from whether you call it source or God or, you know, the great infinite field uh, around us. That, right. that that's possible. So what about, have you had, would you say, um, a peak experience in that situation where you've really felt that connection? You know, like Maslow's peak experiences? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I've had a, a, a few un unusual experiences. And uh, as, as far as the voice, yes, I, I one day heard a voice in my head that I swear was not my own. And uh, at the time, I was living in Houston, Texas. I was running in a park. Um, I, I was about to move back to Tampa um, to reunite with a, a, a girlfriend of mine. And I was in the park one day, and I had a voice come in my head with some very explicit directions to reach out to someone I knew in New York City, give them a call. Uh, once you do, uh, they'll, they'll connect you with this other person. Uh, you will find a job there, you need to take the woman who became my wife um, to New York City. And it was the strangest thing. When that voice came that time, I swore. I, I said, okay, I've tapped into something. It will happen again. It never happened again. But that voice, that one experience changed, literally changed the course of my life. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Right. It sets you on a trajectory. I yes. mean, I've felt those feelings um, and maybe once or twice I've, I've heard a voice, but like when I knew it was time to make a change and I, and I took another job and I was really afraid to leave the old one, but I knew that that was the right thing to do and everything, everything kind of fell into place. And I think, you know, you mentioned uh, practice, like a spiritual practice and getting quiet will really help to make those messages a little more uh, apparent, right? If you're able to kind of get a regular practice or something going, then hopefully you can tap into that and receive that information and those, those messages a lot clearer. I mean, how's, right. how's your practice? Like mine's, mine's kind of slipping sometimes and well, I'm trying to get, a, get quiet a lot more and, and get into a practice. It, it, it comes and goes, but yes. Now I, 
I'll, I'll bring up the M word meditation. Yes. And, and I say, I say that because I, I fought meditation, even if I, after I got into spirituality for years and years and years, wouldn't do it. But there's something to it. I mean, one of, one of my favorite stories in the book is called how to shush the critical voice in your head. And really you've got it quiet that voice that uh, I think Michael Singer calls it the roommate that's in your head. You've got to quiet that voice in your head, find a way and look within yourself. And one way to do that is meditation. Now, meditation is not as hard as it seems. I, for the longest time, thought I just don't get it. And there are places to start now. Guided meditations, uh, Headspace, the Waking Up app. And there are tricks within meditation to just quiet that voice for a little bit. You you develop a mantra. Uh, you you start focusing on your breathing. There's a way to do it. And and when you can, when you can quiet that voice, you can kind of look within and begin to really intuit some things. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson used to call it lowly listening. And it, it is it is what it kind of sounds like. You're, you're listening from deep within, not in your head. If for me, it's more like it's centered in the heart, in the gut. And when you can do that, I, th- I think that you get more tuned into um, intuition, what you, and what you should do, and where you should be headed in this life. I agree. I think intuition intuition is available to us all, not just people that call themselves, you know, great seers or, or mediums or anything like that. I think we can all tap into that. And and I agree. I mean, meditation, I struggled for a long time and then I finally learned, you know, a method. I think you need to, you know, try some things, a mantra, great walking meditation. I, yes. I enjoy doing that too. You know, but I finally learned um from a great teacher, this guy named David G. And I, I had a feeling that, okay, if I'm going to meditate, my mind's going to be completely blank and it'll be bliss and I'll just think of nothing. And he's like, well, that's impossible. If right. you're thinking of nothing, you're dead. So you're going to have those thoughts. And even if they're silly, like, okay, I'm trying to you know meditate tuna sandwich, uh, something else, you know, it's okay to have a little thought. And that's where a mantra is very helpful. So I think you're right to explore what would work best for you. And you share some different methods in the book. The Calm app, that's great. Some people like music, yes. some people don't. Um, some of the ambient sounds, like even having just kind of the the brown sound or white noise or something like that can be really helpful. So there's ways to explore that to find what would be best to you to get you into that space where you're able to receive. And you are I, so I right. That's important. You are so right. So do you I, get I, those I weird little, thoughts? Yeah, I just got a little <laughs> To the sweet, sandwich. I, well, well, that well, that's it. It, it, it. In that, the best meditation guides, and 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 the best book of meditation I ever got was like double space, fifty pages. It was so simple. I think the the guy's name is Yogani. But you have to in meditation forgive yourself because your mind is always going to wander. You just bring it back, bring it back, bring it back to the breath. Focus on the breath, and it's a funny thing when you focus on breathing in, breathing out. Suddenly, the thoughts stop for just a few seconds. And if if you over a even a ten minute meditation can find a minute or two of quiet, it does seem to help. It does seem to calm you. And I think there's a practice probably in every spiritual tradition. I think uh, ev- everyone probably has contemplative practices, right? No, you were exactly right. I mean, in in Christianity, there's something called centering prayer. 
I've written about that a couple times. And if you drill down and look at centering prayer, it's very similar to a meditation practice. Uh, the mantra might just change. I know for me, when I went through centering prayer, they'll say, focus on a simple statement. And you might, you know, some people will say, we'll focus on Jesus. For me, it was resting God, resting God. Resting. It becomes just really just like meditation. And, and you reach a certain point where it, another way, another method is really prayer. And it's not rote prayer like saying the Our, Our Father. I know Thomas Merton once said, uh, to pray, I breathe. And that's it. It's just finding a way to get to that quiet space where the thoughts in your head and what's going on you know, later that day or next week or what happened last week kind of disappear and, and, and you get to that quiet spot where suddenly things become a little clearer. Uh, the answers come a little easier. Exactly. He was so wise, Thomas Merton, and those notes notes from of solitude, notes from solitude, and that one prayer, I have it on a little like cut out piece of paper, you know, dear God, I know not where I'm going. Uh, right. You share it in the book. I, I'm paraphrasing, but you know you know which one I mean, right? I, I, I know. And he he basically that, that prayer says, Hey, I am lost. I'm a right. you know, uh, I'm in bad shape, and this is Merton, you know, the most one of the most famous religious figures of our time. I'm lost. I need help. Please guide me. He felt and, that and, way. Yes, and if and Mother you, Teresa, who's known for having doubts as well, she shared that. Yes, without a doubt. Toward the end of her life, she felt like she could not locate God at all. Yeah. Or, so you or, think, or, wow, or those people are connected, and if they're doubting. So right. it, it kind of makes them more human and, and brings them down to earth. Yes. So would you totally. say like the last, the, one of the last categories it is since we're, t- we're talking about, you know, contemplation, Christian contemplation. So, I mean, you, you and I were brought up in a, um, you know, Christian tradition. I don't know if I would consider, I mean, do you consider yourself, you know, quote, like Christian now? Like, I, I'm not even sure what that means anymore. I think things have been, twisted in, in such a way that sometimes there's a bad connotation for someone who's Christian or evangelical, but right. I, I wouldn't want to associate that with the real teachings of Jesus Christ, right? Well, you're, you're right. Um, I, I consider myself a lapsed Catholic. Yeah. Um, I, I, I still hold on to that. I haven't, uh, you know, I, I'll go to church, it, you know, every uh, Christmas. I like the pageantry. Uh, not at a Catholic church for, for many, many years. But yes, I, I, I think um, one of the things, one of the issues that I had with the church was that everything was supposed to go back to the Bible. And, and, and I had a talk one day, it was with uh, this theologian, Matthew Fox. And he I said, love him. Yeah. Sorry, and, and, I'm a Matthew said, Fox fan. <laughs> oh, is that right? And, and, and he said to me, he said, you know, it's not like God you know, spoke to us 2000 years ago and then stopped. He still speaks to us today. And he, you know, called out some of the mystics throughout the year and throughout the years. And, and that's how I kind of feel about the church. If you're trying to pick everything to the Bible, well, you know, I've read the Bible, uh, at least the new Testament, and, and, and it's kind of can be difficult to find real wisdom there. It's kind of finding needles in, in the haystack. But I if, love if, Matthew Fox's take 
on. Right. You know, the whole creation spirituality thing yes. that we don't come from original sin, we come from original blessing. Yes. And when I read that, I'm like, yes, this is what it should be, you yes. know, about love, not fear. It's not, we're not horrible sinners. Why should right. I turn my life over because I'm a horrible person? I'm not. No. We're, so we're, we're, his stuff really made sense. Yes. Yes. Great, great guy as well. Um, and just go back to the church thing. One of the things I began to do, because I, you know, I kind of picked up on the Jesus thing, and I said, okay, Jesus has a good message. It's kind of limited. But if you if you dig a little deeper and, and you look at some of these books that, well, the Gnostic Gospels, which were written about the same time as the original Gospels, you kind of get this different picture of the message of Jesus. It's important to, to point out that uh, Jesus didn't set out to start a, a church. And if you look at some of the core messages, it's um, to the effect of, you know, the kingdom of uh, uh, God in heaven is here on earth. It's, it's right now. It's not up in the sky. Uh, God can be found within us. We are all connected to others. Some of these messages really resonate. And, um, you know, I have to correct myself. I, I was in a Catholic church, come to think of it, at a wedding just, just uh, about a month ago. And uh, they, they had communion during um, the service. And you were also uh, invited to come up for a blessing. And uh, someone turned to me and said, uh, well, if you're not going for communion, knowing I was a lapsed Catholic, why don't you go up for a blessing? And I said, do you know what? I, I, I just don't think I need the middleman for that. I, I can go directly to the source. So while I think there's great things about the church as far as building community, I, I think if you're a spiritual person, it, it may not be mandatory. Yes, that, that that's interesting. I didn't have a bad, necessarily a bad experience with Catholicism. Like I still, I still liked, I mean, I still liked the the pageantry and the, and the the ritual, and I can see where that that's really comforting. But I think people should really look at what what you're talking about, like the real message of of Jesus, and and some of these other texts that you can read. It just it really opens you up, you know. Right. I, a great place to start, uh, Elaine Pagels, who I, I mentioned a couple times in the book. Yeah. She, she has written a book, The Gnostic Gospels. Uh, excellent place to start where she, she, you know, goes through some of these gospels, these Gnostic gospels, I've got a thick, must be an 800 page book that, that has most of them and, and they can be tough reading. So what you really need is someone to help interpret them. Uh, she was a prof religious professor at Princeton and she does an excellent job in this probably 150 page book of pulling out what the key messages are. Would that be one of the books that you would say? Uh, like opened you up a little bit? Without a doubt. It was the start. It, you know, it probably was the first one. I mean, I read many books uh, in that vein after that. It remains, I, I think, the best. There's so many great books you mention in this read. I've been really enjoying it, Wake Up Call. So what are your plans now that, you know, the book's been out you know, a couple of months, you know, it's still pretty fresh. I mean, are you going to be speaking on this or, you know, you're still writing your column. People can find you at patheos.com. Right. And what, what's next? Well, that, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to continue. You know, I, 
mention before we got on air that uh, I had just retired last week. So what this allows me to do is uh, take an even deeper dive into a lot of these subjects. And and that that's my plan. I, I will continue to write my wake-up call column at Patheos. It's currently, uh, I do about one a week. I'm probably going to update that to about one every five days. I've got books stacked up, podcasts to listen to. There's no shortage of material, that's for sure. So I want to do a, a little bit of a deeper dive. Um, you know, I was uh, reading uh, something by this guy called Arthur Brooks, and he talks about uh, life being split up into four phases. And, and in that first phase, we're just uh, getting educated. In that second phase, it's all about the career. Um, it's all about, you know, money, uh, success. We get into that third phase and we begin to realize, and not a lot of people get out of the second phase. We get into that third phase and we realize, hey, there's a different uh, side to all this. There's a spiritual side we should explore. And in that very last stage, that fourth stage, we totally commit to the spiritual path and begin diving a little deeper. So I'm, I think, entering that fourth stage where I really do a deeper dive and and I look forward to it, just uh, reading more and writing more and then uh, and sharing this with others. Well, I'm envious and retirement sounds amazing. <laughs> I hope I can get there. Oh, at you some will. Point. <laughs> right. Louise would say, don't say hope, say it, it will. You, you'll do it <laughs> and, and make it happen in a firm. So I'm going to affirm that. I've really enjoyed talking with you. The best place people can find you would be patheos.com or do you have a, a website to share? Yeah, if you want to learn more about the book, um, it's featured now at my website, tomrapsis.com, T-O-M-R-A-P-S-A-S.com. You can learn about the book there. There's also a link to the blog site there. Um, if you go to Patheos, a pretty big site, but if you type in Patheos Wake Up Call, uh, that'll take you right to my page. Well, I look forward to what you're going to be doing next, and I hope listeners will check you out on Patheos. Also grab the book, Wake Up Call, Daily Insights for the Spiritually Curious. And if you're listening to, the, to this podcast, I would hope you're spiritually curious. This book is going to be right up your alley. So I really appreciate anybody who's listening right now. If you like what you heard, please leave a review. And if you haven't downloaded the free mindbodyspirit.fm mobile app, make sure you do that in the app store for Apple or Android. And make sure you also check out the wonderful podcasters we have on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. And thanks so much for joining me today, Tom. Thank you, Diane. It's been a pleasure. Great talking to you. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.